What's going on? How you doing? Hopefully you had a good Sunday. I had an okay Sunday. Hopefully my boys had a good Sunday, but this is Off the Sticks Sports. Now, my name is Killer. I got my boys with me. Corey, Mike, y'all say what up to the people. Sally. What's up? So, I'm, y'all know I like to just dive right on in shit. Bruh. Week one. Week one. My against the spread picks were off. The Steelers look like a mass unit. I mean, I I'm not one to overreact after one week. But this week was so weird, bro. Like the 49ers playing in the monsoon against the Bears. The Texans looked like a football team for the first time in three years. The Packers are who I thought they were. That was the only thing that I say was normal was that one game. That was the only normal. That and the Chiefs and Cardinals were the only normal games all Sunday. Like the entire Sunday was weird as hell. So what what do y'all what do y'all think about it? Like how weird was that for y'all? Go ahead, Corey. You got it. Um, it was definitely a a weird week when we had like what three overtime games or something like that. The we had a game, the Steelers and the Bengals, where like nobody wanted to win that game, and just like I'm trying to think, the Packers. I didn't think the Packers would look like that week one. I'm not surprised they lost, but I think they would lose like that. Um, I didn't think Chicago. Oh no. I thought I thought the Bears would look good, but I didn't think the 49ers would look that bad. Um, the Texans surprised me. The Giants, that was very surprising. Yeah, very a very surprising week one, I would say. Very surprising. Yeah, it was a lot to take away. Um, actually, I say one more thing held true. The Falcons got to be the most unlucky football team. And I mean this, and this is the same league where the Bills exist, where the Lions exist, where the Browns exist. The Falcons got to be probably the worst team to ever hold a lead in a football game. A hundred percent. Like if I'm down 21 in the second quarter to the Falcons, I'm like, nah, don't sweat it. We got this. They're going to they're gonna choke eventually. I'm like winning here. Like that's exactly how I'm beginning to look at the Falcons. Like, uh, I don't. I, I really can't make heads or tails of it, Mike. What, what's your spiel, bro? Um, my spiel. I got a lot to say this episode. Got a lot. Um, but off the top, I'm going to say that. Um, I'm gonna say that you know, like I said, um, NFL Week One is uh. NCAA March Madness, it uh, it always is. Um, it's a lot of a lot of good teams going to lose week one. A lot of bad teams going to win week one. Um, uh, you know, a couple. I, I owe an apology. I owe an apology. I think all three of us owe an apology to um, 
Seattle because we trashed them last week. Um, and 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 Geno Smith looked excellent. He didn't look elite. Um, he didn't. He he looked like a bus driver quarterback. But Geno Smith, the way he performed um, yesterday is the definition of how you want a bus driver quarterback to perform. He wasn't he wasn't this No, actually, he had, he was he was a game changer because he didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to do anything that um that we would consider elite because he's not elite. Um but what he did, what he did was he didn't mess anything up. He made very good reads. Um, through a lot of short to medium passes, rarely threw any deep balls um, because that because, again, he's not an elite quarterback. Um, and so he what he showed is that being a bus driver quarterback um, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so, yeah, so I owe Seattle me personally. I know I owe Seattle an apology um, for for just thrashing him last week. Now, I still think they're going to finish at the bottom of the division. I still don't think they're a playoff team. I do not think they'll I do not think they'll win eight or more games, but um they they deserve a lot of credit for how they performed last night. Um Pittsburgh, you know, uh, the game was what it was. Um I I said that Pittsburgh was uh was actually was actually gonna finish number two in uh in that division. So I feel pretty confident in that. I said Pittsburgh would beat the Bengals. Um, I feel, you know, I I, I felt like uh, I felt like, you know, killer. Like I said, I took your word. Uh, you said that uh, you're a Steelers fan. You know, you're, you know the Steelers better than everybody. Um, you said that you know y'all always play the Bengals tough. I took that um, and actually like looked at like the underrated talent that y'all got on y'all team. Um, and I was like, hey, this is uh the Bengals are more top heavy, but. You know, when you look at the whole complete roster, the Steelers, they, they're not like far off as far as talent level. Um, when, when you talk about the overall, when you talk about the overall team um, and plus the coach being Mike Thomas. So I was pretty, uh, pretty happy with that. Um, Jacksonville lost to Washington, um, but I was uh, I was pretty happy with what I saw out of Jacksonville. Um, I talked I talked highly of Jacksonville um, last week. Um, still feel pretty confident about that. Like uh, like what Etienne did, um, like what James Robinson did, both of them out the backfield. Um, Trevor Lawrence still learning in his, in his second year, but I think I think you know he'll be a lot better. Um, I like I like how Doug Peterson called the game. Um, you know, uh, so so you know, I thought I thought Jacksonville was pretty good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence made some some great passes to uh, Christian Kirk. Um, so, you know, they had they and, and so they're young and they they they're young they're young guys. You know, they 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 show they flash some some potential stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, th- those are just some of my off the off the top of my head kind of takes. Obviously, I got takes on the Cowboys that I will dive into later. <laughs> um, trying to start to show off on a good foot. So I ain't talking about the Cowboys right now. Um, but yeah, that, that was that was kind of my overall perception or whatever. Yeah, I can I can concur. Um, a lot of those things kind of did fit in. And remember I was telling y'all when we was going over the Madden ratings and when I got to a kill with a spoon, I said, yo, his rating should be higher. He's a really, really good corner. He's almost Ike Taylor good. 
And for Steeler fans who remember the years when we had Ike Taylor, we would never play Troy on his side because we didn't need to. Ike Taylor was the reason why Troy was able to get off the way he was, so we didn't have to drop him back in the coverage like that because he had a shut, we had a shut down corner. Akil Witherspoon is legit the same kind of guy, except he has better hands. He has a better nose for the ball. That kid is going to be beyond special. So keep your eyes on that. I told y'all about him when we released when Madden released the ratings and we looked at the DBs. I'm telling you that kid is going to be special. Um. I'm going to go ahead and issue the apology as well to Seattle Seahawks fans who may be listening. I know my, I guess she's still technically my sister because she got my, um, she got brothers by, well, kids by my brother. So I don't guess you can say she's family. But um, you definitely, Kedra, you get a big apology from me on that because not only have I been basically shitting on the Seattle Seahawks since, what year was that? 2005 we'd be in the Super Bowl? So yeah. I've been basically shitting on y'all since then, so I can I can say what I can apologize. But 2005 is not the sixth season. But um, Seattle looked really good. They looked really, really good. They were patient. They ran the ball well. Um, just like you said, he didn't play outside of himself. And that's really what it's going to take for them to win because the way that Seattle can play, because when you don't have stars or you're not, or you're not playing with expectation, that gives you the ability to play with freedom. And I don't think a lot of people really get just how easy the game comes so you can play free. It's, to me, that's a lot of the reason why last year Cincinnati was so successful. They were playing with house money. No one expected anything out of them. So I'm thinking teams like the Bears can be dangerous outs. The Texans can be dangerous outs. It's part of the reason why I had the Lions finish in second because we also saw how they were able to push Philly. And I'm still not 100% sold on them on Philly's passing game, but they did stick to themselves. They stuck in there. They ran the ball. So I can appreciate that. Um, um, hold up. Hold, hold up. Real quick, real quick. Corey, I need you come, I need you come to the front real quick because um, we, had, we had Fields, Justin Fields, who I am high on. And we had Trey Lance, who you are high on. And I don't know if it was, like, maybe it was just me. But to me, and I'm, and I'm saying this objectively, Justin Fields looks like, he looks like the better quarterback. Like, like, and I don't know if it's because, I don't know if it's because he had pretty much a year of, a year of experience last year, whereas Trey Lance sat down. Um, but Trey Lance, and this is even going back to when we were talking about him in the preseason. Trey Lance don't look ready. He does not look ready. So, like, what, like, what, where are you, where are you at with Trey Lance? Well, to start off, Justin Fields was definitely the best quarterback on Sunday. There's no disputing that. Trey Lance, he didn't look great. He didn't look good at all Sunday. But I still stick. Let the young quarterback play. Like, let him make all of his mistakes now. So instead of him sitting on the bench behind Jimmy Garoppolo and then having to play catch up the following, like, you're just, you're just, you're stunning his growth. So, like, go all in with him and whatever, and let the chips fall where they may. That's what I would do. Like, let so, him, let, the only way you're going to grow is to actually get out there and experience live football. You're not going to get that in practice. You're not going to get that in the preseason. Like, just play him. That's what I would do. So, with, so with 
Okay, we're saying that. Like, what do you think the ceiling is for the 49ers? Like, what do you think? The, I'm not saying I'm not saying the ceiling with with Lance or with Garoppolo. I am saying, do you think the 49ers right now have a roster that can compete to win the Super Bowl? To with, win the Super with, Bowl. To, or, okay, not okay. Not, listen, we, we don't have to say win. Do you think they have a shot to get to the NFC Championship? Yeah, with, I'm giving that shot, yeah. Best case okay. scenario, yeah. Okay. So, with if they have a shot, if outside of quarterback, they got Debo and they got Ayuk and they got that offensive line and they got a, they got a, they obviously they got a nice running game and they got that stout defense and they have the potential to go to the NFC championship don't you think wouldn't you prioritize that over playing the pretty much rookie quarterback like like the growth of the rookie quarterback in my, to me wouldn't seem as high of a priority um as San Fran as San Fran right now because they are they they had they are kind of like you know they are kind of like in a window right now where they have the ability to surprise some people get to the Super Bowl like I mean what they was they was one game away last year so wouldn't you wouldn't you want to go and and chase the window right now well I get what you're saying like you're saying like like Trey Lance his growth makes the window wider and I'm like that's true, but when the window is by the time the window is wider, Debo might only have a year or two left on his deal. They might not have that offensive line by the time Trey Lance get like NFC Championship ready. They might not have Kittle. You know what I'm saying? They they might not that like they might they might not be what they are now. By the time Lance is by the time Lance is like the bona fide starter NFC championship type of guy. So like wouldn't you want to take advantage of the window right now? I would I would agree with that. If Jimmy Garoppolo had let's say Jimmy Garoppolo played for another team and he just got to San Fran. Then I would say, and let's say Jim Garoppolo, like he had done, he had made some noise elsewhere in the postseason, right? Mm-hmm. I would say, okay, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably your best. If you're going to win it all, I would say in that scenario, Jimmy Garoppolo would be your best bet. However, I've seen Jimmy Garoppolo with this 49ers team, and as well as I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crapping on him. He, he played well, don't get me wrong, and he's won a lot of games. But can he win you the big one? We've seen chances. We've seen multiple chances now. And the 49ers have seen chances. And to me, the verification is when they re-signed or restructured his deal to a one-year deal. So what they're saying to me is, this is a bridge. If you're treating Jimmy Garoppolo as a bridge even now, then why are you prolonging the inevitable? Or if you say, okay, Let's let's just try to win it all now. Let's give Jimmy Garoppolo one more shot, and 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 let's say you you know Garoppolo. Let, let's say Garoppolo wins him the Super Bowl this year. Now, are you going to re-sign him next year? 
Because if, if 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 they go all the way, then you have to say, okay, well, shoot, we can't can't let him walk. Like we got a you know Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know he you know he got us close many times. Now he's he's he did it for us. So then that puts Trey Lance. Like okay, now what you gonna do with Trey Lance? And it's it's like it, it's so much. It's like what Killer said last week. It's a tough situation. If you're trailing, it's a tough situation to be put in because it's like you're it feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. It's like, okay, we we want to yeah, we want to put the best quarterback out there, but and let's say Garoppolo is like right now the better quarterback, but is that are we sacrificing the long term for a one year for a, a try to get a one year glory? You know, so and to me, go ahead. Oh no no no. So I, no, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we both agree that Jimmy Garoppolo is now a bridge. But the point of the bridge is the point of the bridge player is for that guy to play if the person who you're trying to get over that bridge is not ready to go over that bridge. And so let's say they play Jimmy G and they play Jimmy G and, you know, let's say they they won a Super Bowl, hypothetically. Right now. If if they won. Well, then now, if it's me, I'm perfectly good with Trey Lance taking over because I took advantage of my window. I got my championship in my window now. It's now I am perfectly fine not winning the championship next year and going and and letting Trey Lance develop because I got I took advantage of the window. The the question to the question to like, you know, can Jimmy G win you the big one? I think we have I think we got that answer already. He can when you. I think Jimmy. I am not. Look, let me. I. I don't. I. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. I really don't. Um. I think he is a bus driver. We was just talking about. But Jimmy G has proved that he can. That he can win the big game. Like they got to the Super Bowl a few years back, and they were one pass away. One pass from winning the Super Bowl. They just got to the NFC Championship game last year. So he so he's been to an NFC Championship. He's had more success than Aaron Rodgers has had in the last 10 years. Jimmy Garoppolo. So the answer that so the question, can he? We already know the answer. I think we just I think that we just want the answer. We just want the question and we don't want the answer to be a yes. Because San Fran drafted Trey Lance and Trey Lance has has greater potential than Jimmy G. But the facts are the facts. Like Jimmy G is is proven that you can get to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Like they were one pass away from winning. So it's like it's so. So for me, it's like you got Debo. You got Debo in his prime. You got Trent Williams, you know, still in his prime. He's probably on the, on the back of his prime, but he's he's still in his prime. But you got Debo, you got Trent Williams, you got George Kittle. All three of them are in their prime. Um, you got you got Nick Bosa. Um, you got Nick Bosa uh on on a, on a um defense. Um and like the defense period, that defense is is stout. Like you got them in their prime. 
take advantage of their primes with somebody who you know you can get to the NFC Championship with. Rather than going with the quarterback, rather than going with the quarterback who you don't know, you don't know what you're going to get with him. Like Justin Fields looked bad last year. And I know he played for the Bears, but Justin Fields looked bad last year. He looked like a better quarterback on Sunday than Trey Lance. So I'll put I it can't like trust I don't just I don't disagree with what you just said, but I look at it, look at it like this. Okay. So all three of us. All three of us have played organized team sports in our lives. We're right. at some, all of us. And I think one of the things, and we all know this, whether either through experience or through somebody else that we know, one of the worst things you can do to crush somebody's confidence is to start them and take them out, play them and don't play. And then you, you're always looking over your shoulder. Mike, I think, I think the 40, okay. The 49ers, if if they have any intention of, at all to play Jimmy Garoppolo, like if they say, okay, if Trey Lance, we're going to give Trey Lance a couple games, and if he struggles, we're going back to Garoppolo. Well, in that scenario, then you should just start Garoppolo from game, from week one. Because I now agree with that. you put it in your, you start your young quarterback, and now guess what? Anytime he makes a mistake or he has a bad series, he's going to be looking over his shoulder, and you're going to kill his confidence. So, if you're if 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 the 49ers are trying if 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 they were hell bent on going all in for this one year, then regardless of what I think, they should have started Garoppolo week one and just say, hey, Jimmy, just is your year. You're the guy just from start to finish, you're the quarterback. No, I yeah, I, hate, I agree with that. I agree I with would that. Hate, I hate that you started Trey Lance. Trey Lance has a starting job and potentially He's going to be looking over his shoulder at the veteran quarterback who's obviously had more success, but, you know, and then it like his confidence is going to be shook. That to me, more than anything else, that would be my biggest fear that you might ruin this kid's confidence by having him completely look, just look over his shoulder all the time if he makes a mistake. So I think more than anything else, that's my biggest concern. If you're going to start Trey Lance week one, you finish with Trey Lance. If you or if not, if you're hesitant, then say, Jimmy, this is your year. Trey, you got next year. I, I think that would have been the best case scenario because I think having Trey Lance just constantly looking over his shoulder, like that's a that's a terrible thing to do. So yeah, no, so I, I agree with that. I think that they I think that they thought that Trey Lance was ready. Um, or no, you know what? I take that back. I take that back. I don't believe that San Fran thought that Trey Lance was ready. I believe that everybody else recognizes Jimmy Garoppolo as a bus driver quarterback. And I and I believe that everybody believes that Trey Lance has this great potential, which is why he went so high in the draft, right? I I think that what San Fran did, I think the reason why they started Trey Lance or why they announced that they were going to go with Trey Lance is because they didn't want the noise for if Jimmy Garoppolo started playing bad because we all know Jimmy Garoppolo is a is not a good quarterback in the regular season. He's not a good quarterback. Most people know at best during the regular season he's average. And so every time Garoppolo make a mistake, 
everybody is looking at him like, what the hell were you thinking? It's like that every single year. And so rather than going through that, San Fran was like, we got this, we got this young quarterback who we think is, is, a, is a phenomenal talent, who's more, who we think is more talented than Garoppolo. This is who we going with. That way, nobody can, nobody can say anything. Everybody agrees they are playing the more talented quarterback. What I am saying is you've been winning with the average quarterback. So for this window, wouldn't winning be the priority over growth? I think they kind of dropped the ball there. I think they should it should have been a quarterback battle. They shouldn't have stated anything until the week, until the week of the first game. It should have been a quarterback battle. And whoever is whoever performed well in training camp in the preseason, whoever whoever was more consistent, that's who they should have went with. But they started, they started from the jump saying Trey Lance was the starter. And I think that I think that I think that was the 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 bad the bad uh way to go about it or, or whatever. So killer, you've been quiet, yo. So like what you think about this whole this whole San Fran thing? It's eerily similar to what we saw in Philly after Falls won the Super Bowl. It's very similar to that. Um as far as the situation. You got the quarterback who got you who put you in position to get there and then the one that you actually want. The one that they wanted was wins. Of course, they went with what they wanted. But the one that got him there was Nick Foles. So it's a little bit like that. But I'll be completely honest with you. I, I'm, I'm standing with Mike on this one. And it's, it's rare that we agree. And I know it's going to be like, like that for a lot of listeners. Like probably sitting there like, oh, shit, what just happened here? But I'm agreeing with Mike on this. If, well, and I think Corey made this point as well. But if you know that you're going to run it back with that same group, just run it back with them. Let Trey sit. Pull a Green Bay. Let him sit until he's ready. Sometimes spaghetti's better the day after you cook it. You feel me? Just let it sit there. Let, let, let it marinate. Let it become the great dish it can be. Go ahead with this hot pocket, that quick meal. You know it's going to fill you up. It's going to taste the same kind of average at best. Roll with that for the night. Let that sit and then enjoy a great meal in the future. And that's in the way how I'm looking at Trey Lance. He's not ready yet. Like you can't throw Like he's like spaghetti. You take the noodle out, throw it on the wall. It don't stick. Like he ain't ready yet. Let him sit and stoop. Go with what you got right now because it's proven that they can actually get this done with this group. But on top of that, with that being said, San Francisco's in a weird situation, but I think they're going to go all in on Trey Lance. And I think there's one way that they fix it. One way they fix it. There is a team can be competitive right now who's also in need of a bridge quarterback. Just so happens to be your Dallas Cowboys. What is the move being made here? The popular one that everyone's talking about, everyone wants to go with, is Jimmy G traded to Dallas. Here's a problem. What does Dallas give up that they're not going to covet later? That's the big thing. I mean, if you give up picks, now you're going to mess with your team's depth. But also, 
what the hell is Jimmy G worth? So it a lot ties into that. Because if you're San Francisco, what are you going to take from Dallas that you don't already have that they have? Oh, we're going to uh, take a receiver? No, you're not going to take a receiver. At this point, you're better off at receiver. You're not going to take a running back because that will absolutely gut the offense for Dallas. It'll make the trade pointless. Do you give them alignment? Do you give them picks? It's weird. It's a weird situation. And also a pseudo rival. Are you seriously going to trade to help them out? And if you are, if I know we beefing, we got history like that? Oh, no, nah, you're coming up off that pick. You're coming up off of something else that I want. I'm going to make this price so hard that unless you don't want to compete this year, you got to swallow it. So it's completely in San Francisco's court. I'm interested to see how this happens. I kind of want it to happen because, it, to me, the NFL is more interesting when Dallas is actually capable of winning football games. I know it sounds weird to say it's still a fan, but there are some teams you associate with the postseason and winning, and you cannot talk about postseason and winning without talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I know what recent history may say, but I know what total history will say. And when you own almost, what, is it 8% of the Super Bowls that have been played, you've won, and then on top of that, you've been to over 10% of them, you can't talk about it without them being there. But what do you all think about this whole quarterback situation? Y'all got Bruin and Big D. Core, you up. So the questions you you asked about what compensation would get Dallas give up for Jimmy G, I can answer that for you. None. Dallas ain't trading for Jimmy G. I don't think – see, a lot of people are romanticizing because, oh, it's the Cowboys and it's Jerry Jones. They're going to make a, a headline move. Let me tell you something. Cowboys ain't going to make any headline moves. The headline is going to be Cooper Rush is taking over for Dak Prescott over the next few weeks. Simple and plain. Even at a worst-case scenario, let's say Dak is out. Let's say Dak misses eight weeks. Would you really give up meaningful compensation for Jimmy Garoppolo for eight weeks? I wouldn't. Even if you say, well, you know, you might rack up some wins. I'm like, yeah, but at what cost? Especially if you know Dak is coming back. Now they're saying it might be four weeks. But I'm, I'm just going to work. Let's say eight weeks. I'm, I'm sticking with the worst. Let's say eight weeks, right? I think the Cowboys are going to go all in on Cooper Rush. I, well, I think Cooper Rush is going to start at least the next two games. And depending on how he plays, because, you know, I'm not saying it was all on him, but Cooper Rush did beat the Vikings last year at and Minnesota. And also played well against us. Yeah, so I can – I would say at least for the next couple of games, Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback. And – I don't I don't see us making like a big move at quarterback because one and, and like financially and like from a just from an overall compensation standpoint, I don't I don't see I don't see how that would make any sense. Like if Dak was out for like the full year, then that's a different story. But like we're just missing a handful of games. I don't see the Cowboys. I don't I don't I don't see them making that move. So I, I think it's going to be Cooper Rush. I think a lot of people are overreacting not oh not overreacting from like uh, your starting quarterback going down. I'm talking about in terms of trading for a name quarterback I think it's going to be the Cooper Rush show for at least a couple of weeks yeah I can see that happening it's kind of weird that um typically with um in sports there are certain teams you always align with having to make a move when put in the same situation the other teams get placed in like remember when um Derek Carr went down for the Raiders. 
no one talked about them making a move to bring in another quarterback because they're so close to making the playoffs for the first time in damn near a century. None of that popped up, but as soon as it happens to Dallas, that becomes a topic. Regardless of week, it becomes a topic. And it's like like with the Knicks. Every time something goes on in free agency or a trade, oh, what are the Knicks going to do? Who gives a shit? They don't need to make moves. Stay to yourself on that. Because something that uh, I don't think a lot of people do value is camp. That thing is valuable. If you give me two quarterbacks, and I don't really give a damn who they are, and I got one quarterback that's been with me in camp, and then there's one guy coming from a different team, yeah, let me stick with the guy I know. Because at least then I don't have to guess at what he can and can't do with pieces that he's never played with before. Because there's a big difference between what CeeDee Lamb can do as a receiver and what Debo Samuel can do as a receiver. What Ayuk can do as a receiver and what anyone else wearing a Cowboy jersey at receiver can do. Hey, you so can't even name the other ones. Yeah, outside of, um, what's the boy's name? Beginning with a G. Uh, he, the one that Dak always overthrew his first year. The real uh, fast one. Gallup? Gallup. Perfect name for the fact that he runs that fast, by the way. But that means that I'm going to bring in a quarterback to play in a situation who needs that kind of talent around him to just be average. And I'm going to bring him to a worse situation and think it's going to elevate my standing? No, that's not going to cut it. I'm going to go with the guy I know. I'm going to play with that guy because, honestly, when I looked at the plays when Cooper Rush hit the field versus when Dak was out there, the play level didn't drop, which is hard to say for a quarterback who was supposed to be in the top seven. We're looking at Cooper Rush, and I'm looking at the play call, and normally when you you drop down to your backup, the playbook gets a little skinny. I swear to God, they ain't lose a page. So that means that they not only are going to go with Cooper Rush, I think they believe in that man. So we're going to see how that goes. And that's just me looking at it from with, with coaches' lenses. So I'm looking at it that way, more so than I would if I was a fan or a GM. But um, I hope, in a, in a sense... That I mean, I know this doesn't nullify the bet we made. Now I'm legit swimming and shit because there's no way I win that bet now. Not with Dak missing half the season. Like there's, there's no way unless Philly completely implodes or the Giants somehow win this division. Am I ever gonna be able to say I, I, I was able to do that? But I'm waiting to kind of see how things are gonna work with Dallas. But let's see. Now I can talk about things I liked. I'm gonna tell you. I'll tell you what I liked, because I'm not. All, I'm not just gonna completely rag on a team just because they played poorly. They only played poorly on offense. Anytime you can force a team that scores the way Tampa scored last year, I think they were the best offense in the NFL last year. The fact that you can slow down that team to a crawl and force their first four scores to all be field goals means that you got a defense that not only can keep you in games, but in my eyes can also win games. Now, I know I just gave praise to this team. And to me, it was well deserved at least on that part of it. So I hear a dog barking. 
I'm gonna go ahead and let my boy Mike go ahead and do his thing here. Let me know what you're thinking about the move, possible move um, to get Jimmy G, or what did you see in Week One on top of that out of the Dallas Cowboys? Well, let's unleash the Kraken. Let's get right into it. So, uh, and Corey, you know, I'm pretty sure you gonna we we gonna we gonna go talk about this and everything like that. I don't know if we're going to agree or not, but okay. As far as as far as possible moves are concerned, let me just say this: there will be none. A lot of, like Corey said, a lot of people think Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, big moves, this, that, and the third. Most people, most people, do not follow the Cowboys. I'm telling you, not what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Jerry Jones, and I want everybody to hear this and understand this because it's going to sound weird. It's going to sound like Mike doesn't know what he's talking about, but I'm telling you what I know, not what I think. Jerry Jones does not make any roster moves. When Jerry Jones speaks to the media, about what's going to happen as far as the roster is concerned. He speaks with his son, Stephen Jones, first. Jerry is the mouthpiece. Stephen Jones is the one who's making the moves. I want everybody to get that through their head. This is not the 90s where Jerry Jones is trading, is, is, is signing Deion Sanders and trying to make all of these trades. This is not Jerry Jones in the early 2000s where he's trading for Terrell Owens or he traded for that bust of a receiver, Roy Williams. Uh, this is not that Jerry Jones. The reins of personnel are handled by two people, Stephen Jones. And Will McClay. Will McClay handles prospects, draft picks, scouting, things like that. Will McClay it works more on that level. Stephen Jones handles the acquisitions. I'm also going to tell you I know this because I follow this team every day. Stephen Jones is cheap. He does not like to spend money. Why do you think Randy Gregory left to go to Denver? Because there was wording in the contract that Randy Gregory was uncomfortable with when he was about to sign that deal. Stephen Jones did that. So to answer the question about what moves are going to be made to, I guess, uh, uh, to, to, I guess, handle this that getting injured stuff. No moves are going to be made because Stephen Jones is cheap. Stephen Jones believes in developing draft picks, developing your homegrown talent rather than going to get somebody. If now let me say this, if Jimmy G is the person that the Cowboys are talking about. I do not want him. I do not want him. As a matter of fact, 
I will, I will, I'll, I'll say, let me say this. I don't want to make, I don't want the Cowboys to make a move at all. I don't want the Cowboys to make one single move at all. Steven Jones, this is the bid that you made. No other NFL team would have had Cooper Rush as the second string quarterback and Will Greer as the third string quarterback. Nobody. Somebody would have had at least a veteran backup. Nobody would have nobody would have done that. You made this bid. You made this shit show. Lay in it. Anybody who knows football knew that even if Dak was healthy, the Cowboys were not going to be good. There's only one person other than Stephen Jones on this planet who believed that the Cowboys were going to be good with their current setup, and it was killer. And by and my bet is looking awesome right now. I'm about to be forty dollars richer. I can't wait till I can't wait till I get that cash app notification. And, and killer, when you when when I win that bet, don't send me forty dollars on a dime because you know cash app be wanting to take little fees out. Send me $42.95 because I need that fee covered. So, yeah, my bet is looking awesome right now. Okay. So then, so so th- let's let's so as far as moves, nothing's happening. Cooper Rush is gonna be the guy. And yeah, Cooper Rush is gonna be the guy. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you the reason why there's going to be no moves other than Steven Jones being cheap. Because Corey said he's taking the the worst case scenario and missing eight and missing uh, eight games. I'm telling you right now, Dak ain't missing no eight games. Dak ain't missing six games. Dak is going to come back. He's going to miss three games total, and he's going to come back in, in four weeks from now. You can book it. You want to know how I know? Because number one, Jerry Jones, when he be talking. He always talked the best case scenario, and every time he starts talking, whether the player is ready or not, they coming back that week. And I'm telling you, in four weeks from now, you can count it. In four weeks from now, when that wound is not, that wound is going to heal up. That, that he had surgery uh, yesterday. That wound is going to heal up. From what I what I what I've been reading, that re, that wound is going to heal up in about two weeks, and then. In about four weeks, you know, he should be able to, like, grip the ball in about four weeks from now. I'm telling you right now, in four weeks, as soon as Dak Prescott can grip the ball, he going back on that field. I promise you, because there's no way there's there's no way that if Dak Prescott was going to be was going to be out for eight weeks. Yeah, they, they would have put him on IR. I promise you they would have put him on IR. Dak Prescott missing three games. He's gonna be back. He's gonna be back. I think. Um, I think for I think the so week five I think is around what October 9th, October sixteenth, something like that. He's gonna be back around there. He's gonna be back way before Halloween even start. Um, so that's another reason why they're gonna go with Cooper Rush because Cooper Rush will only have to play about three games. I promise you. Um, now about the game itself, because Killer, you mentioned the game. The defense played outstanding. Um, 
Michael Michael Parsons is fucking unbelievable. Um, defense played outstanding. I think uh, he didn't handle picks, but I think uh, Trevon Diggs had a very nice game. Um, but I am pissed. I am pissed at the Cowboys, specifically management. I'm pissed because I understand that Sean Payton is sitting at home and Cowboy fans, myself included, want Sean Payton and Jerry Jones might want Sean Payton. But I'm pissed because they gave Mike McCarthy no legitimate chance to succeed. They gave Dak Prescott no legitimate chance to succeed. And this is the second time that they've done this to Dak Prescott. If you remember, Corey, we was horrible. Our offense, our offense was horrible a few years back. Alan Hearns was one of our lead receivers. Our offense was god awful. And it was so bad that Stephen Jones had went, went to the Raiders and made a trade to go get Amari Cooper because we needed a number one receiver. That is how bad this offense is this year. They didn't give Dak Prescott the best chance to succeed. They didn't give Ezekiel Elliott the best chance to succeed. And like, like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't under, I don't understand. I don't like, I, I don't, I don't understand. Nobody in their right mind. Nobody in their right mind. No, no fan who's on Madden, who's playing Madden. No NFL GM is going to have an offensive line full of first or second year players who for the most part aren't good other than uh, Tal- you know, Tyler Smith did hold his own. I-, I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised there. First round pick, Tyler Smith, he did hold his own. But Farniak, come on, yo. He was trash. Um, Connor McGovern was decent, but he hurt it, but he hurt his ankle. Tyler Biotish, everybody knows he's not a good center. Zach Martin, he's an all-pro. I mean, that's Zach Martin. But then Terrence Steele, we had Lyle Collins. Got rid of him because he tried to because he tried to get out of a drug test. And we replaced him, and we replaced him with Terrence Steele. And Terrence Steele was horrible. 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 No, so no backup plan for Lyle Collins. Cool. All right. Get rid of Amari Cooper because of a COVID, because because of his COVID status and his stance on getting the vaccine. We had no backup plan for him. Michael Gallup got hurt, so we knew that already. He couldn't he couldn't be a backup plan. So you send C.D. Lamb out there with Noah Brown as the number two receiver. Noah Brown has been on the Cowboys roster for six years, and people just heard his name for the first time on Sunday night. Are we serious right now? Then? 
you don't give Dak Prescott a, you, 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 you don't give Dak Prescott a chance to succeed even more by assigning blocking packages to Tony Pollard. Kellen Moore, what the fuck are you thinking? What are you thinking? Tony Pollard can't block. He's lighter than me. I don't even train for the league. He, he's lighter than me. What are you doing having him picking up blitzes? Everybody know he can't block. If I was Todd Bowles, I would I would have told the defense every time you see number 20 in, in the running back slot instead of Zeke, anytime you see Tony Pollard out there, blitz. Anytime you see him, blitz. Because he can't block. So what the fuck are you doing? So all of this shit, all of this shit is exactly why I don't want the Cowboys to make no moves. I want them to lay. I want them to lay in this bed because they fucking made it. And I want Jerry and Steven and Kellen Moore. I want all of them to just eat crow and take all the fucking criticism because nobody in their right mind would have did what the fuck they done this this offseason. Nobody would have did it. Do you understand? We drafted a receiver in the third round. He was a healthy scratch. He was healthy. No injuries, but he was inactive. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing, yo? So, like, Killer, you can give the Cowboys praise all you want. Mm-hmm. You can make that $40 bet all you want. I told you you was making a bet about a team you don't know nothing about. I told, I tried to tell you. I tried to tell you. Yeah, but no pride and whatnot. Hey, look, fuck all that. I tried to tell you. Pride comes before the fall. Look, yeah, and I'm gonna be no, it all no, lighter. Nobody in their right mind would have done what the fuck the Cowboys did this offseason. Everybody knew that they was gonna be bad. Everybody. And now you got Dak Prescott hurt going through this hand, going through this hand shit. Like, yeah, it's gonna be one of them types of years. I said the Cowboys is gonna finish eight and nine. Cooper Rush gonna play at least three games. They they going they I'm, I got them going four and thirteen. Mm. And oh, and Corey, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, cause that cause that gonna come back. He, by week five, week five, week six, that gonna be here. Corey, I'm gonna let you know right now. I said I said it last week that if the Cowboys don't play well, I seriously would have to think. I seriously have to think about trying to go get a quarterback like Justin Fields. I said that last week. Hey, Killer, real, real quick, real quick before you go. Mike, let me ask you one question. Do you think same, same team, same personnel, do you think if Sean Payton were the head coach of this team, week one against Tampa Bay, do you think we would have looked better against the Bucks instead of Mike McCarthy? Uh, so you're you're asking you're asking me a question. You're asking me a question that isn't realistic because, and the reason why I say that is because if Sean Payton was the coach, the roster wouldn't look like this. Sean Payton wouldn't have this shit. Well, here's the thing. I asked that for a reason because the week of the game, because you know they're Sean Payton. He was doing interviews, picking games, and he picked the Cowboys to beat the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And because he said that the Cowboys have the personnel 
they have the team to beat Tampa. Like he picked the Cowboys to beat the Bucks. So that's why I asked you that with this same personnel, but Sean Payton at the head coach, do you think he would have made different adjustments, different schemes, at least offensively? Uh, oh, oh, I mean, I, so, so I think he, I think the schemes, I think the schemes would have been different. Like, it, it, like, let's say hypothetically speaking, Mike McCarthy, let's say Mike McCarthy had an emergency and couldn't coach the game. And so we hired Sean Payton that day just to coach that one game. And so he had to deal with this roster. Oh yeah. I think the game would have played out differently. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if he would have won, but we wouldn't have looked as bad as we did. Um, honestly, you know what? I can't even, no, 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 I take it back. I changed my answer. Um, no, if Sean Payton was the coach, no, I don't think we would have looked any differently. Um, the reason why is because Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, for whatever reason, want Kellen Moore to call plays. So, no, no, I don't think it would have looked any differently. Kellen Moore is a bad coordinator. He was a bad quarterback. He's a bad coordinator. Corey, me and you talked about it when Kellen Moore got promoted to uh, OC. I, told, I, I, said, I said he was a bad coordinator. And I did not want him coordinating. And here he is, what, four years later, still don't want him, still waiting on him to get fired. And like Jason Garrett, he just keep on sticking with this. He, he keep on sticking with Kellen Moore as the OC. So, no, I don't think the game would have been different because even if Sean Payton had been on the sideline, Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore would have been calling the plays. And, Kel, and there's nothing like Kellen Moore is not creative. Kellen Moore believes believes that trick plays. Uh, Kellen Moore believes that trick plays equal creativity, and being creative and having trick plays, they're not the same thing. He's a more creative, a more. He's an he's an updated version to me of what Jason Garrett was, and that. When Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator, he had a great year in 07. Kellen Moore had a great year in what year was that? Uh, was it last year? No, you, you must be you must be talking about uh, yeah. His only great year was last year because in 2016, when we went 13 and three, Kellen Moore was the second string quarterback. Dak was the third string. Okay, yeah, because it was it, it, I think yeah I think it was like because that was when he was in like head coaching conversations and like yeah yeah Kel- Kellen Moore was is supposed to be the uh, head coach at like Boise State right now something like that yeah yeah so like yeah. so he had he had one good year as an OC and then after that because like even the Bucks they were talking about like our offense was so easy to stop not just from a talent standpoint but from a schematic standpoint because they could see we ran a lot of the same plays from a year ago yeah. And um, so it was easy. So that's why those like those trick plays, those gadget plays, they were ready for him because they'd seen it before. So yeah, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, um, I would say that he's never had a good year as offensive coordinator. If you remember last year, we was having a great season until we got the motherfucking Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio blew up our whole offense and everybody followed suit after that. And Kellen Moore could not get his shit together. Everybody. Like, like everybody like blew the Cowboys offense up after that Denver game. So I would, I would, I I would say that Kellen Moore at best has had a good seven games, a good seven games as the OC. 
He's had a good half a season. He got that on his resume. But that creative genius shit that that uh, Dak and Jerry and Steven was talking about, I ain't seen none of that shit. I ain't seen none of that. As a matter of fact, I would take I would take Jason Garrett right now as the offensive coordinator over Kellen Moore. I would take Jason Garrett right now. Jerry love him some Jason Garrett. Hey, fire Kellen Moore. Tell Jason Garrett get out the booth on Sunday Night Football and tell him get a headset. He can come be the OC for uh, Mike McCarthy. I would take Jason Garrett right now because Jason Garrett he Jason Garrett he he he's not a he's not a a great OC. But Jason Garrett won a bet wasn't a bad OC either. J- Jason Garrett, he gonna call the game straight. If it's a run, he gonna call a run. He ain't calling, he ain't calling uh we gonna do a double, a double reverse toss play to uh to to try to get around the edges and it end up losing eight yards. Jason Garrett ain't doing that. If it's a run, Zeke, go out there, hand off, go run. If it's a pass, if it's a slant route, CD, go run a slant route. Don't try to run a slant route and then come back inside and then go up the scene. It, like, like Kellen Moore tried to do too much shit. It's almost like he overthink. So I would take Jason Garrett right now before I take Kellen Moore because he gonna call. He gonna call the game straight. It's gonna look vanilla. It's gonna look vanilla as hell. Everybody, everybody gonna be able to 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 look at the patterns and figure out tendencies. That's true, but at least. He gonna call the game straight. It's like it's like a running back. I don't need no running back that's gonna do all that dancing and shit. You know, before they hit the hole, just hit the motherfucking hole. Like just just go just go hit the hole. That's Jason Garrett offense. If I'm if it's a run, it's a run. If it's a pass, it's a pass. Corey, did you see the play? Did you see the play uh, on Sunday where Kellen Moore? Um, where Kellen Moore he. Who was in motion? Um, Tony Pollard? No. I think it was Turpin. Turpin was in motion. Dak snapped the ball. Turpin took the handoff and was supposed to pitch it to Tony Pollard, who was running behind him. That got stuffed. And then Kellen Moore called another reverse where, where Tony Pollard was supposed to, like Tony Pollard took the pitch and was supposed to like have the option of either pitching it or, or, or pitching it back to CD coming across or running straight. Tony Pollard chose not to pitch it and chose and chose to run straight up. It was a loss of eight yards. I did see that. Like the like what the fuck type of shit is that? It's like like killer. You coach football. Any coach, any coach will tell you if you got to run trick plays. In the second quarter, it's clear that you can't beat them straight up. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I actually talked to one of my team, one of my boys today. One of my boys played thirteen U, and I told him I said on Saturday, I'll be honest with you, team that lays the first big hit is gonna win because it sets the momentum, it sets the tone for that day. If you got me in my bag offensively. I already know my first half play calls. Like I have it scripted in my head already, and none of it is a trick play. Because you're not gonna knock me off my pivot. The fact that they were what by the time they did it in the second quarter, y'all were only down by six. What you in your bag for? 
What are no, you? No, 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 no killer. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no killer. We wasn't even down by six. We was down by three. The score was six to three. And we were starting to run trick plays. We were starting to run trick plays in the second quarter. The score was six to three. Yeah, and that's the and that's the part that that kind of you know, bothers me as a play caller. That bothers me because it's showing me if I'm the quarterback and I'm stepping up in there and I'm hearing the play call. I'm like, bro, why are we trying to get fancy with it right now? We definitely can try to keep it. I mean, if we if we're gonna go fancy, I go no fancy than the flea flicker if it's that early in the game because at least then you can say that you tried to set it up by running the ball at the gut, but you can't even set that up because you stopped running up the gut halfway through the first quarter. And kill it here. Through the um through the through the two or the one hole at all in the second quarter. And kill it. Here's the thing. The outside. And kill it. Here's the thing, Corey. You my witness because I know you watched the game. Zeke was averaging over five yards a carry. You have the you have the six. You have you have the person who has been on your team for six years and has never really played. You have that guy as the number two receiver. Run the fucking ball. Zeke is averaging five yards a pop. Now, granted, Zeke ain't had no big runs. I think his longest run was seven yards. But when you get in the consistent five to seven yards, I will take that every day. Go, go run the fucking ball. And if you want to make it easier on C.D. Lamb and Noah Brown, who ain't really experienced as a starting wide receiver in the first place, if you want to make it easier on them, run the fucking ball. And then use play action to draw the defense off the receivers. That is how you make the game easier on a receiver like Noah Brown. They did not do they did not do any of their players any justice. And they didn't even do the offensive line any justice because when you have an inexperienced offensive line, what do you do to get them experience and to get their confidence going in the game? What do you do? You run the fucking ball. Why do you run the ball? Because run blocking is easier than pass blocking. Than and it keeps like, them aggressive. That, and Zeke is going five yards up. And and I got and, and and for all the people, for all the people, whether you a Cowboys fan or not, for all the people who have said. Tony Pollard is better than Zeke. I never want to hear you speak again. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Tony Pollard, even in Zeke's worst year, Tony Pollard has never been better than Zeke. Tony Pollard has never been a starting running back. He has not. Tony Pollard has not been a starting running back since high school. When he when Tony Pollard was at Memphis, he was splitting carries with Antonio Gibson, who was the starter at Memphis. Tony Pollard has never been a starting running back, but all of the Cowboys fans who only care about speed, they wanted him over Zeke. Well, you wanted him. You got him. What happened when he ran the ball? Nothing. Did he even provide any additional pass blocking? No. Tony Pollard didn't even chip a block. As a matter of fact, there was a play. There was a play where Devin White. Devin White blew Tony Pollard the hell up. Oh, my God. He came straight through the middle and just threw Tony Pollard like a rag. Just threw him to the side. I don't ever want to hear anybody, 
anybody ever say that Tony Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott. Ever. I never want to hear it. And I'm going to say this last thing, and then me personally, I'm going to get off the Cowboys, and I'm going to let Corey say whatever he got to say. I want to point this out. What the what what Jerry and Steven did to the Cowboys the, with the team that they sent out there on Sunday, the, with the offseason that they had, they never would have done this to Romo. They never would have done this to Romo. They always made sure Romo had pieces, whether it be DeMarco Murray or Dez Bryant, or before Dez Bryant, it was Roy Williams. Now, Roy Williams was a bust, but, at, but coming from Detroit, Roy Williams was that dude in Detroit, so we thought he was going to be better. Um, or, or before before Roy Williams, we had we had Joey Galloway's and we had Terry Glenn's and Patrick Creighton's. Like we always made sure Romo had players who were capable of being a receiver in the NFL. We always made sure that Romo had running backs who were capable of being starting caliber running backs in the NFL, whether it be DeMarco or whether it be um, Joseph Randall or whether it be um, and Joseph Randall say what you want. Yeah, he stole some underwear out of out of a department store, but Joseph Randall had the potential to be a starting running back. Um, or whether it be Marion Barber or before Marion Barber, whether it be Julius Jones, like we have always given Romo pieces that that were somewhat that he could somewhat work with. They threw Dak out there with nobody. They threw him out there with Ezekiel Elliott and C.D. Lamb. That's it. That's it. Nobody to cop. Nobody to and no no don't don't show's nice. I, I will say don't show. Yeah, don't show. Yeah, they, but and 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 we didn't even use him like that. Which that's another story for another day. But we would have never did this to Romo. We would have never did it. And so that pisses me off even more. They did not give Dak the best chance to succeed before he got hurt. And then Mike McCarthy, what the fuck are you thinking? We have not had any momentum going in the game at all. It is 19 to 3. We know we going to lose. Why the fuck is Dak Prescott still playing? Even Green Bay took Aaron Rodgers out. Why the fuck is Dak Prescott still playing? It's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. We know we ain't winning. Why, why, why the hell is he still in the game? This, like, this, this, so, so, hey, like I said, man, I don't want them to make no moves. I don't want them to do shit to try to improve. I want, the, I want them to lay in this shitty ass bed because they motherfucking made it, and I want Killer to increase my bank account by $40. Corey, what you got for me? <laughs> what you got? Man, I you pretty much said it all, bro. There ain't nothing. See, like, well, I was pessimistic about this team this whole season, not just because of how what happened last year, but just this whole offseason left a lot to be desired. And I was just like, when you look at the roster, it's like, eh, question mark after question mark. And this is before the injuries and whatnot. So it's just like, I can't say I'm really like I'm not like I'm not surprised. Like the old me, like the old me would be like devastated right now. But me now, no. I, 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 I like I said, I didn't expect the injuries, but I, I, I saw this playing out how it has. So like, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised. It is what it is. I'm just, you know, four and thirteen, killer. Game. Yep, four and thirteen, y'all. 
Go ahead, Keller. We can move on, man. I don't know if you got something to say about the Cowboys. I know I kind of went on a whole 20-minute whole rant, but it was well-deserved. I've been holding this shit in. I've been waiting for this game to hold and holding this shit in to just go off. So I, I appreciate you letting me just go. No, I mean, you know, we, I'm big on therapy sessions, man. I'm, I'm big on mental health. And um, I, I feel like you needed that for your mental health. So I, I'll, I'll always grant you time to talk shit about your own football team. Oh, no. So 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 that's the thing, like football therapy, like football therapy. Cool. I just gave the Cowboys the criticism that they deserve because nobody has been giving them like whole, like this type of criticism all offseason. Nobody has been saying it blunt like that. Right. So but so like this one there therapy for me, though. See, like Corey was saying, the, the, the old me versus the new me, the old me would have needed football therapy. But. I've learned. Oh, you would have just cut on Madden and ran with the Cowboys to show them how they're supposed to play. Yeah, but 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 see now, I don't need football therapy because the Cowboys don't raise my blood pressure. I was laughing when we when the game was going. I was laughing, like I was I, I was actually laughing. So I was laughing. I was like, all right, I'm about to go play 2K. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? So, nah, man, no football therapy. But you did let me give the Cowboys criticism uninterrupted, and, and, and it was rightfully deserved. And I hope now you understand why. When you said you was willing to bet $40, I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. We, we basically, that would have drew us even, because I think our last two bets were for 20 apiece. So this actually brings us even as far as money goes. So it is what it is. But um, takeaways from this weekend. Biggest shock, um, biggest like biggest surprise, good, biggest shock, bad. Um, let me go ahead and get that started up. Biggest surprise this weekend for me was the Houston Texans. They looked, I'm uh, fact, I'm gonna say they shared that seat with the Seattle Seahawks because both of them did exactly what they needed to do to at minimum be competitive against teams that they had no business being competitive with. And I'm 100% saying that, yes, about the Colts. I know it was a divisional game, but people, this is the Houston Texans. Let's not sit here and act like they're a franchise that's been known for making great decisions. They are two more bad moves away from being the Cleveland Browns. Now, you also got to take a good look at Seattle. If you want to know a clinic on coaching and how to get that shit done the right way, Pete Carroll called the best game I have seen out of him in about five years. That was a masterclass in knowing your personnel, putting them in situations to succeed, and also giving faith to a quarterback that nobody believed in. I'm pretty sure there were more people that believe in the Tooth Fairy than that believe in Geno Smith. There is no way in the absolute world I was going into that game saying, yeah, the Seahawks might send a good chance. And typically, just to kind of take it all the way around, you know, I do sports bets. I do them on my YouTube channel, called Against the Spreads, the um, videos I do. And typically, when you give me a touchdown or more in favor of a team, I take it. This week was embarrassing for me because I was like, you know, some of these matchups are, are large and they were all bad. I'm going to tell you, the games with the touchdown spreads. Y'all ready for the games with touchdown spreads? Bears-Niners in favor of the Niners. That was an L. Colts-Texans, that was an L. Uh, I called the Steelers right. It was six and a half. 
Call that right. Chiefs Cardinals, six in favor of the Chiefs. Call that correctly. Titans Giants, five and a half. Might as well say it's a touchdown. Done. And then also looking at the Broncos Seahawks, that one was a seven-point spread, as well as the Jets and Ravens is a seven-point spread. Both of those didn't cover. So just kind of looking at that alone, I think I finished five, five and five and eleven or something like that. So it wasn't really the best way to start off the season. But I will go on ahead a whole limb and say this. Now that the week one shocks are out the way, now we're going to get a chance to see for the teams who lost, how well can your coaches rally you? Because I'm looking at the NFC West right now. The three teams we all had that, you know, in the top three of the division, they all caught L's. And I honestly would say the only one of the three I thought would catch an L would be Arizona. So, looking at the Rams, they going to turn around? Yeah. The Niners, I wasn't really that high on them going into this year. That's why I had the Cardinals ahead of them because of that quarterback drama that can get in the way. So, I'm not 100% sold on much, but we'll get a chance to see. Corey, tell me what you see being a shock, um, being bad, and biggest surprise being something good. Damn, I forgot I muted myself. Um, yeah, I was I was going on. Um, so the biggest um, uh, surprise, it's the easy answer is Seattle. I, I agree with you. Like Pete Carroll, like that's the best he's he's coached, and I don't know how long. Like they've the Seahawks looked more prepared, just more ready for that game yesterday. Um, biggest disappointment, I'm gonna go with the Bengals, but not because they lost but how they looked in the loss. Like, that Bengals offense was terrible. And I think that loss could, that could come back to bite them, like, later on in the season. Like, I think if the Bengals are either um, trying to get into the playoffs or making the playoffs and potentially getting a favorable seating, I think we might look back on this week one game against the Pittsburgh Steelers as a game that they could have had and had to have had, but they blew it. Like the offense just looked, looked just terrible. And I know Joe Burrow's coming off uh, appendix surgery. I know he didn't play in the preseason, but man, that was just God awful for the Cowboys offense, but the Bengals offense looked bad too, but so I'd say biggest disappointment Cincinnati offense for me. Yeah, I can go on there and say that, but also there were some defenses that showed up. That honestly, I could say the defenses that showed up, I think, are going to be defenses you see throughout the entire season that are established. The Bills, one of the better defensive teams, the Browns and Panthers both have really, really good defenses. Really good defenses, especially the Cleveland Browns. And it, it takes a lot for me to say that because I hate Cleveland. I have no love in my heart for the state of Ohio. There is no, like, I despise that entire state. And the fact that the Browns, I'm giving the Browns credit, should literally let you know how high I am on just that defense. But those aren't the only defenses I saw that balled out. The Ravens, even though it was against the Jets, they did their thing. The um, Dolphins defense is just as elite as Mike said. 
Now, another team whose defense looked good. Of course, I'm going to say the Steelers because we, I mean, was it six turnovers or something like that? It was insane. The Vikings defense is like that. But the Seattle Seahawks defense, after giving up your defensive leader in Bobby Wagner, and to come out and look like you didn't need him, that's incredible. I'm I'm not gonna say I'm high high on Seattle's defense, but color me impressed. Completely color me impressed. But Mike, what do you got for us? You know, your surprise and your shock. What you got? Uh, when you say shock, are you saying are you asking about disappointments? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay, so so I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you surprises. I'll give you my surprise, my disappointment, and a shock, whether it be good or bad. Um, I or yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. Surprise, disappointment, shock. Yeah. Okay. This disappointment. Um, man, I will probably out of all the week one, I'm disappointed in how the Rams came out and played. Uh, on Thursday, I'm disappointed in how the Rams played. Um, now, I expected Buffalo to win again. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in football. Uh, Pat Mahomes, uh, <laughs> Pat Mahomes pushed. Uh, he he reminded us that, uh, like Corey said, I might be out of my mind for making that statement, but I'm gonna stick by it right now. Um, but. Yeah, so I would say that my biggest disappointment is uh, just how the Rams came out. Um, I expected them to be better. Um, I was not impressed by them at all. Um, So, yeah, Um, biggest surprises or biggest um, biggest surprise. Biggest surprise, biggest surprise. Um, biggest surprise is not the Seahawks, but it is Geno Smith. Um, because, like, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring this back to Dallas, but I'm going to, um, but the reason why Geno Smith is the biggest surprise is because Geno Smith played the way that I need Dak Prescott to play. So Dak Prescott playing at the same level that Geno Smith played at, Dak Prescott is going to look elite because He's more talented. He's a better quarterback than Geno Smith. But the short to medium throws, throwing a deep ball every once in a while to use it as a threat to back the defense up. That's what I want to see Dak Prescott do. And a lot of people and, and you know, the criticism for Dak is warranted right now because even when he when he was healthy in the game, he did not look he did not play well at all. Um, 
Geno Smith showed that you can still you can still play. You don't have to be Dan Marino and air it out to be successful. Like Geno Smith just played his game. Whereas I felt like, whereas I feel like oftentimes Dak Prescott like tries to like prove his greatness. Like he tries to like, he tries too hard. Um, so Geno Smith, his mentality about the game um, is where I want Dak Prescott's mentality every game. And um, because Geno Smith mentality was what it was, he was out there. He was able to go out there and have success and compete um, at a at a pretty good level, at a, at a winning quarterback kind of level. So, um, yeah, so, I, so Geno Smith is, is my biggest surprise, um, my biggest surprise. Um, I don't want to use this as, like, my biggest shock or whatever because I'm not really shocked, but it's more – but I'm, I'm going to say this um, just because I, I was happy to see it. Michael Thomas getting two TDs. Michael Thomas getting two TDs. Mike, Michael Thomas was one of the best receivers in the league. Um, and then has has had a rough two years and like came back, you know what I'm saying, on Sunday and played played Atlanta, caught a TD on uh, AJ Terrell, who had a pretty good year uh, at corner last year. Um, yeah, yeah, Michael. I would say Michael Thomas. I, I would I would say is that I'm not shocked because you know Michael Thomas. I think is 29 years old. Um, so he still he still got a lot you know, left in the tank or whatever. Um, but I'm going to just use him f- at, in the shocking category because he deserves he deserves some flowers for, you know, just for just going through all he went through or whatever and then coming back, being able to to lead a comeback over the Falcons. And, uh, and yeah, so, yeah, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is a shock for me. Okay, I like that because the shock, I, li- I really like your pick for shock. Now, Corey, you ain't going to get away because um, we were supposed to do this last week, but that show ran so long. Please tell me you have your who ready. I've had my who ready for almost two weeks now, just waiting on y'all, man. I know these these shows have been running long, but, yeah, I've had it in my back pocket ever since, bro. All right, so Let's get gonna, it. So we're going to pivot a bit. Now, y'all know how it is. It's game time. We're going to pivot a bit. So those of y'all who do not remember how we play this game, this is how we do it. We give basically a homework assignment to one of the three panelists here. And this time around, it says will happen to fall in Corey's lap. Now, the whole deal is for you to give us a rundown of your team, of your who. And when we say who, it could be a little bit of um a little bit of anything at that point. So so on me? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so since um so since Mike did his his top five basketball, killer did football, I'm gonna do wrestling. So this is gonna be interesting. So my top five who these are going to be who they were before they became superstars, right? So like for example, like Killer used the example a couple weeks ago of like if I said Stunning Steve Austin, 
then you obviously would probably figure that's Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? So I'm going to give you who they were before they became superstars. And then we can either, we can go one at a time and y'all can either write it down or, or like I can, like I can give a name and y'all can respond to who you think this person is. And I can give you the answer after, or we can do however y'all want to do it. So whenever y'all ready, let me know. Uh, look, I look, I'm I'm trying to find some paper. Hold up. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm I'm ready now. I'm ready. Let's get it. Well, I'm all the way ready. Give it ready. All right. So I'm gonna give you the name first, and y'all tell me who you think this person is. All right. Oh, and also. I'll give you, I'll give you, so not to make this super hard, super difficult, all of these people are Attitude Era superstars, okay? Perfect. He's oh, all Attitude. Perfect. All right, here we go. First, a man by the name of Flex Kavana, who wrestled as Flex Kavana. And also, by the way, these these people wrestled as these names for a while. So like it's nothing like a week or a month. Like they had some they put some time in as these as these names, as these characters. So, so Flex Kavana. That's the first one. Flex Kavana. So you want us to answer that now or are you gonna give us all five and then we go down? Then we go well, I can I can I can do all y'all y'all wanna do all five or you want to do one at a time? I can look, do we, we can do one at a time. It's cool. It's fine yeah, with okay. me. Oh, yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. So, number one, Flex Cavana. Flex, Flex Cavana. Flex Cavana. Who was Flex Cavana? I'm going to let Killer go. I'm going to let Killer go first. Oh, man. Because it sounds roughly familiar. Uh, and this person debuted, like, at the beginning of the Attitude Era or at the end of the Golden Age? End of, uh, I would say new generation. New generation? Okay. So that would be around 92, 93. Mm. Well, probably more 94. More 94, 95. Then. Closer. Okay. So we're talking 94, 95. So that's the Triple H class. Uh, so that would be Triple H, Mankind, Austin, Rock, Taker. I'm taking was Golden Age. End of the Golden Age. Only because I know the rest of them from that rookie class. If you want to call it a rookie class. I'm going to go with The Rock only because I know he went on to like three different name changes before he settled on Rocky. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Rock. That's your final answer? That's my final answer. I'll let Mike go, see if he can figure it out. Well, Flex, Flex Kavana, um, Flex Kavana is, uh, th- th- see, see, Corey think he slipped. See, Corey think he slipped. Corey, you're not going to get me. Flex Kavana, I know, is my favorite wrestler of all time. I know Flex Kavana came out. He had, like, blue elbow and knee pads, and he used to, and he came out all, all 
cheery with a smile and his wavy hair and, and had that little thing around his neck. I know The Rock took a picture as Flex Cavana with the little tight little sweater with the little uh with the uh, the tight little sweater with the little with the little yeah with the little pouch in the front. I know when he took that picture he was Flex Cavana. See Corey, you're not gonna get me on my favorite wrestler of all time. Flex Cavana is absolutely Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You are both correct. Ace. That is correct. All right. See, Corey thought he was slick. He, he won't go give me there. He won't go give me there. Yeah, I just had, I, I was thinking Rock or someone Pacific Islander, kind of, because that's kind of the main theme I was going off of. I but like, I, do, I do, I do want to say, Flex Gavana is the perfect number one pick for the Who team. Because <laughs> nobody would know that. <laughs> nobody would know that unless you like follow The Rock. And everybody know The Rock, I have followed this man. <laughs> As like, <laughs> like like it's it's only it's only about three people, four people that I done followed in sports. Or it's only about four people that I done followed in life. Jesus Christ, my daddy. Uh, Jordan and Vince Carter, oh. and The Rock would be five. You both are well versed in your Dwayne The Rock Johnson trivia. Flex Cavana, The Rock, before he became The Rock, before he became Rocky Maivia, he was first introduced to us as Flex Cavana. You are both correct. Why did he choose that name? Do you know? I don't know if he chose it or somebody chose it for him. Please, God, don't let tell me Vince chose that. <laughs> no, I'm pretty. No, now, no, I'll be honest, no. Now, you, no, back then you did have to get your name cleared through somebody in that office, though. Yeah. Damn. Because that, that was before. Cause remember, they didn't really give creativity to the uh, wrestler until the attitude ever started because they needed something to separate themselves. Yeah, let's yeah, let's 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 get yeah, let's get through this because I got some questions for Corey, you know, before we end the show. So yeah, yeah. I got All right, let's questions. go. Four more. Next one. Here we go. Mean Mark Callis. Mean Mark Callis. Um that's kind of easy for me. I think I I think I know this one. I think I think I know this I one think, too. I, I think, think I know this one because the name is too close. I'm yeah, going with exactly. I'm going with Taker. Exactly. Um, I'm going to say that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Undertaker too because the Undertaker's real name is Mark Calloway, and the name is just too close for me. Um, or is it? Glenn Jacobs. No, Glenn Jacobs is no, Kane. No, Glenn Jacobs is Kane. Glenn Jacobs is Kane. Mark Calloway is the Undertaker. So, I, I, yeah, I'm going to say the Undertaker. Once again, you are both correct. Undertaker. That, that was an easy one. Me, Mark yeah, Callis, and WCW before he became the Undertaker. All right. Mid Carter back then, too. It's crazy. Next one, number three. Tara Rising. Tara oh, Rising. You know good and damn well I'm not going to get this wrong. You know I'm not going to get this wrong. Oh, I, I think I know this one too. 
this is my favorite of all time. There's yeah, no way I can yeah, yeah. I, you you want me to go since this is your favorite of all time? You want me to go? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and speak. I'm gonna say Triple H. I'm gonna go with Triple H. The game. Yeah. You are once again both correct. Come on, Triple, Triple H, H wrestled in WCW as Terrorizing. That's correct. Terrorizing. Now the way that Mike followed The Rock, I followed Triple H. That's all right. So now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is yeah. it Terra? Yes. Terror. Terra. Terra with an A. With an A. Yes. Terra rising. I don't. I don't know why Triple H stuck out to me. I think it was because of the T's. Honestly, I think it's because of the T's. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why it stuck out, but I'm like. I'm like. Te- I'm like terrorizing. I was like. That, that was, to, to me, that sounded like a Randy Orton name. I was like, you know what? Randy Orton was kind of, I, I was like, Randy Orton was, was Triple H prodigy. So, like, I'm going to go with Triple H. That's what I was thinking in my head. Man, I knew it off the rip. And on top of that, if you really wanted to get a quick lesson in what they did in WCW, which 2K was it that focused on that? Um, Is it 14? Might have been 14. That was one with The Rock on the cover. I think yeah. that was that one. Yeah. See, the 14 and 15 is one of them, and they had like a WCW storyline where they actually showed you who they all were. Mm. All right. Two more. Next one. Y'all might get this one too. This guy wrestled as an evil dentist by the name of Isaac Yankum. Oh my God. Ooh. This is Kane. Oh. This is Kane. Oh. This is Kane. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely Kane. That's definitely Kane. That's definitely Kane. That that was when that was when Kane was like a funny man. Kane was several different things. It's only it's only two people. It's only two people who could get away with like funny ass names like that. One is Kane. The other one's Mick Foley. Like they, they could go through, they could be like these scary, serious ass characters and go through, and, and get and ha, yeah, and have and have these goofball ass names. So yeah, yeah, we we yeah, we knew we knew that was game. All right, that's game. I figured you all would get that one. Yeah. Isaac Yankum had some had some pretty nice exposure in ninety mid nineties WWE. That is correct. All right, the last one. This might be the toughest one. This guy, future WWE champion, he once wrestled as the name Sexton Hardcastle. What? Sexton (laughs) Hardcastle. Holy shit, that name is terrible. Sexton Hardcastle. This is the toughest one I know. What the fuck? Sexton Hardcastle. Damn, I, I, I don't I don't draw anything off this name. Sexton Hardcastle. Who the, what Porto star? Who the fuck? See, I would say Val yeah. Venus, but you said that he was a champion. Yeah. Yes. During the attitude. Future, future WWE champion, world champion. Okay, so attitude, he was, he attitude was, era star. Attitude era, so it's not John Cena and shit. If it's ruthless aggression, is when he won his when he won his belt. Ruthless aggression. Uh, yeah, we'll say that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because that was like but, the beginning but, but also, but I want I want to make clear, he he was a star in the Attitude Era. He was an important part of the Attitude Era. But a lot of his recognition came in like the ruthless aggression era. I'm gonna go on a smooth limb and say Bradshaw, because I don't know who he was beforehand, but something to <laughs> it's his ass because <laughs> he held. He wait, was he a WWE champion and a World Heavyweight champion? Yes. Fuck that eliminates Bradshaw because he was only a world champion. Is he said Bradshaw because <laughs> he don't know what the fuck Bradshaw's name was before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, be, honest, be, be, be honest, it was that was a damn good guess though. You gotta give that was a damn. Oh good shit, guess. that was that was pretty good, yeah. But the fact that you have to have been a WWE champion and a World Heavyweight champion means you were good on both brands and you were a staple and attitude ever. This is a tough one, man. Yeah, the, I tried to I tried to make the, the toughest one last. Yeah, I mean, they, I, mean we, I don't mind going four for five from the field, bro. That's not a bad percentage. But, um, I, I'm, Killer, you got to be interested. You got to go first. <laughs> Who you got? Dude, I, I, I promise you, if it wasn't for the fact that he had to be a WWE champion, I, I promise you, I'd have just said Bradshaw and let the shit go. But was he? Was he only world heavyweight? I swear to God. Corey, don't answer that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I swear to God. I, I know he's not. I know he's not. Oh. I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know. It had to be a World Heavyweight Champion and WWE Champion. And what did you say his name was again? Sexton what? Sexton Hardcastle. <laughs> he made porn. <laughs> He swear to God, he did. <laughs> Yo, wasn't that X Pac's like name when he made that video with China? <laughs> One night in China. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, you don't know about that? No, that I no wait wait that actually happened. Yes, they have a wow. video together. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't either, but it's there. This is a tough one. It's really is, bro. Like I hate you for this. <laughs> and when I and when I tell you who it is, you go. Your mind is gonna be blown. You're not gonna believe who this person was. Is are they still active? Don't answer that, Corey. Don't answer that. He can't answer that. Come on, man. <laughs> 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 killer, killer. You trying to get layups? <laughs> you know what? What heavyweight in the attitude era? Hmm. You know what? You gotta think outside the box. I really do, and and I I I don't know what those boxes even are. I've been thinking outside of it the entire dang long time. I just don't know who else it could be. Come on, killer, make a pick. (laughs) I'm going with Bradshaw, even though I know it's wrong. I'm going with Bradshaw. <laughs> Bradshaw. Oh my God. That that shit took me out. It just remind it just reminded me of Farouk and Bradshaw with the, the APA. Yeah. Who's Bradshaw before that? 
Don't know Brad, who. He he was always Bradshaw, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He first he first came in as Justin Hawk Bradshaw, and then he just changed it to Bradshaw. Then it was JBL, right? Yeah, the yeah. JBL. Yeah. What does JBL stand for? John Bradshaw Layfield. Oh, that's what. Yeah, right, right, right. Which one is his real name? John Bradshaw. John Layfield. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Think outside the box. And he and you said he started in the Attitude Era, right? Or he or he won his championships in the Attitude Era. Okay, so he started in the Attitude. Well, okay, he started in the Attitude Era. He won championships in the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era. And you said he is well known today. Yeah, he is. He's a well, all like all, just like all these guys. He's a well known. He's a well known wrestler. Would it if okay, would he be considered a Hall of Famer? Yes. Oh, it's a oh fuck. Oh, it makes it harder. Um I was gonna say some shit like boogeyman. It's <laughs> 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 the boogeyman. Uh or Val Venus. Um okay. Oh, God. Okay, okay. And this and was he in WCW or WWF? Like I understand it's the Attitude Era, but like right. which brand during that era? He, is he primarily known for WCW or primarily known for WWF? Primarily known for WWF, but he did have a cup of coffee in WCW. Okay, but you but you would never know it. Okay. Okay, so fuck, I know who it is. So okay, okay, wait, wait. So he would be considered. He would be. No, you can't do that because then you're going to hear my answer and think that my answer is better. Um, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going to type mine so that way I'm going to say it after. No, no, no. Don't type it because I can see it. How about um, this? When you say yours, when you say yours, I'm going um, to just press it. I'm just pressing <laughs> enter so that way, that way you know I ain't look, capping. Okay, okay. So look, so look. Attitude Era. So Attitude Era Hall of Famers who are more known for WWF than WCW. Okay. The Rock would be one of them. Triple H would be one of them. Stone Cold Steve Austin would be one of them. Attitude Attitude Era Hall of Famers. At start of Attitude Era more notoriety and ruthless aggression. Okay. Would his notoriety wise, would he be known more for the attitude era, ruthless ruthless aggression, or the John Cena era? Which era did he have the most success in? Because I feel like ruthless aggression is like after attitude but before john cena so i would say for the purposes of this person like, like okay okay i'll put it like this I'll, I'll use i'll use decades obviously attitude era was 90s mm -hmm. did he have more success in the 90s or did he have more success after like 2004 ish I would say more most success 2004 post 2004 and on 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 back. 
two give me two thousand four two thousand four to to present or two thousand four to past. Two thousand four to present. Okay, okay. Two thousand four forward. Okay. So he had more success from two thousand four. He would be a Hall of Famer. It can't be Randy Orton because Randy Orton didn't start in the Attitude Era. There is only three people. <laughs> this I was looking at Killer. <laughs> oh, he said, never mind. There's only three people. <laughs> oh, no, there's only four people who started in the Attitude Era. Who started at that in the Attitude Era. In my mind, there's only four people who started in the Attitude Era. And only one of these four Hall of Famers. Okay, let me break this down. Starting in the Attitude Era, there are four people who would be Hall of Famers now, off the top of my head, who started in the Attitude Era. Only one of those people, I would say, had more success after 2004. And that would be Edge. That's why I got Edge. I'm taking Edge. Edge started in, he started in the Attitude Era and quite frankly was a fucking joke. I could not take him serious, but like when he got that dope ass theme song and broke off from Christian, like he really like blew the fuck up. And, and Edge got his, got his success at like, at like around 2004 because Edge and Christian was one of those dynamic tag teams, and that's when his notoriety really took off. So he so he started in the Attitude Era, had more, had, but had most of his success in like beginning in like that 2004-ish kind of kind of uh, era or whatever. So yeah, I'm going with Edge. I'm going with Edge. Because it's only four to me. To me, it's only four Hall of Famers. In the, that I can think of off the top of my head from the Attitude Era, that was strictly like WWF related. Stone Cold, The Rock. Um, Stone Cold, The Rock, um, um, Edge, and um, uh, shit. Uh, uh, um, oh, Triple H. Duh. I'm gonna say, so yeah, I'm gonna say Edge. I'm gonna say Edge. Yeah, Edge. I mean, the Undertaker would be in that category too, but we already talked about the Undertaker already, so I know this is not him. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna say Edge. All right, Killer. Oh, yes. did you give yours already? Yeah, I did. I said it's Bradshaw. I know I'm oh. wrong, but um, <laughs> <laughs> what was crazy he changed, is that he changed it to Mick Foley. Was that I was no, I was going to change it to Mick Foley until he said 2004 to present he was more successful because the only other person I could have thought of that won titles but he didn't win. Both. That was the problem. So it was also not Mick Foley. But I was thinking that because he did have a small stint in WCW, like legitimately a cup of coffee in WCW. That's what had me thinking Mick Foley. So, so Corey, the reason why I asked was his success like after 2004 is because I know The Rock, The Rock had seven years. So like Seven like years is like the rock. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. 96 
nation of domination and everything like that 1999 is when he like broke off is like when he like broke off and really like accelerated with the long ass sideburns and the eyebrow and all of that shit like in like 2000 2002 2003 is like when he became the great one and then after that the acting and shit started with like the money returns and all of that shit and like he, you know he started going more to acting shit so i so so for me it was like who was the person who kind of took the throne, or not the throne, but who kind of took the attention that The Rock was getting? Um, which is why, which is why I asked you, would they be a Hall of Famer? You said, yeah. The only person who started in the Attitude Era that was not The Undertaker, that was not Stone Cold, because they because they had their own they had their own fan base already established. Um, yeah, Stone Cold, The Undertaker. Kane, Mick Foley, all of them already had their fan bases. The only person who would benefit from The Rock doing more acting mm. and picking up more fans is Edge. Because it, it I'm, I'm sorry, Edge was boo-boo when he was with Christian. Um, like when, when they, no, not, not when he was with Christian, but when, when they were like the fucking vampire people. I forgot their fucking name. Um, the Brood. Yes, they were trash. <laughs> um, but after The Rock left, like Edge really like took a lot of that fan base and like took off. So yeah, that, that's why I said Edge. So the correct answer to who wrestled at Sexton Hardcastle Watch it be Val Venus is Edge. <laughs> Edge. Yo. Before he became known as Edge, he wrestled in WWE as as a preliminary guy and in WCW as Sexton Hardcastle. Yo, that is correct. Yo, Yo. I, don't, I don't think I want to get speared by someone named Sexton Hardcastle, though. I just look. really don't think that's a good look <laughs> for me at all. Hey, look, Killer. That's why you was asking all the questions, and I was like, I was like, all right, Killer asking some good questions. I'm gonna go after him because whatever questions he don't ask, I'm gonna try to narrow it down even more. Smart move. Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, you you ask like because Edge never entered my thought. Because I mean, I think of him attitude era, but no, you no, you think really... no, you you think of Edge. You probably think of Edge as like like I mean, starting I, I would... with, starting with the tag team. Yeah, that's where it was. I, with the brood and the tag team with Christian. And I'll be honest with you, they made Sunday Night Heat watchable. The tag division back then, because you had... Uh, Sunday Night Heat was Friday. WCW. No, Sunday Night no, Heat. Sunday Night Heat was WCW, wasn't it? No, it was WWF. Sunday Night Heat? I don't, I don't think Sunday, because it was Saturday Night Shotgun. I remember watching that. And then Sunday Night Heat, that became a thing. It's basically a prelim to um whatever pay per view it was. Oh no, I'm thinking I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Booker T and Harlem Heat. That's why I'm Harlem thinking about Booker Booker <laughs> T and Harlem Heat. Like yeah 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 okay got you got you got you yeah so I, I was legit watching wrestling every day back then like if there was something on I was watching that's how I came across the ECW but um, yeah but the fact that I like I don't think about Edge I think about the tag stuff first because that was it a four? Was it a four-way tag match? Or was it three teams? You talking about you talking about with Edge and Christian, Edge and Christian, the Dudley boys, Hardy boys, 
and then too cool. And too cool. Yeah, so it was four. It was four. Those are like the four. Those are like the four main tag teams. Yeah, and the Hardy Boys. I remember them before. Um, what's that dude got to him? I can't remember his name right now either. Um, Michael. Michael oh, Michael Sam. Hayes. Michael Hayes. Before Michael Hayes got to him, every single Saturday night it was them versus Too Cool. It's not every Saturday night it was Hardy Boys versus Too Cool, and they were just trading wins. Like you knew your tag team was in trouble when Ty and Kai, what Ty and Ty, Ty and Ty, 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 Ty got more airtime than y'all did. That was that you you knew you needed to to, to redo something. Ty and Ty was terrible. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Like choppy choppy pee pee. Let's be honest. That shit was terrible. <laughs> so, but see, so like I said, you were you remember. You remember you probably think of Edge with as like the tag team like Edge and Christian or Brood. Like you probably think of Edge like that. Me, I couldn't stand Edge. But because I was a fan of The Rock, and when, so when The Rock started doing like this part-time shit when he started doing like movies and shit, and Edge became and Edge started to become solo, I started to become a fan of Edge. Like solo, the solo, you know, the solo uh, talent edge. And a lot of people who like were who like were fans of The Rock when The Rock kind of like went on his hiatus and like we was like doing movies and shit. A lot of uh, like the edge edge uh, succeeded on a lot of like The Rock's former fan base. Um, because, and, and a part of the reason is because a part of the reason, believe it or not, Edge Edge's intro music, like that's like it, it Edge's intro music. It's not as electric as the rock or whatever, but it's one of the things where when you hear the song, like you know it's him. Um, like Triple H also has that kind of entrance music where, you know, like when you hear the intro, you know it's him. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's like Edge kind of like a lot a lot of that Dwayne Johnson fan base. Edge really like picked up on a lot of that, and I was one of them. So, but yeah, I, so I don't think an Edge is like I don't think an Edge like with Christian because to me Christian ass. I think a, I think an Edge is like shit. The rate the rated R superstar like that's the first thing that comes to mind. You know what I mean? As far as far as far as Edge is concerned, even though I know he started in the Attitude Era, when I think of him, rated R superstar. Mm-hmm. So, All right. damn, so I'm a hundred percent. Since we are, uh, yeah, that was that was a good one for you, hey, Corey. That that was good. That was a good one. Not even now, you that was a good one. But I do got and and quick, all of them are like all of them are like who's like real who's. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, we know a little, like our wrestling history knowledge, I would like to say it's above average. As far as it goes with me and Mike, it's definitely above average. But um, Yeah, it ain't Corey. It ain't, it ain't Corey level at all. Oh, no, 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 no. If Corey I'm, at A plus, I'm a C minus. Yeah, at, at best, I'm like a B. At best. At best. But um, I honestly wouldn't even give myself a high enough grade in that because I definitely didn't have a 
knew who that was without way more contact. So that was a good call there. But all that talking about Edge did have me thinking one more question I got to ask. As far as heels go, is Edge the greatest heel of all time? Not the greatest heel. One of one of the greatest of his era, like especially you talk about the Cena era. Let me think. He might be the. Let me see the Cena era. Triple H is the greatest heel. Oh man, see things like that. It's so because you got the Vince up there too, even though he wasn't. A oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. Vince McMahon is the biggest. Vince McMahon, Mister McMahon, is the greatest heel ever. That I, I, I ain't think about. No, Miss the Mister McMahon character is the greatest heel ever because it was the antagonist that sparked the Attitude Era and the reason for WWE becoming a publicly traded company and Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and all those guys becoming even bigger than they all would have been. Vince McMahon is definitely the biggest heel of all time, period, all time. It's got to be Vince. I don't know, man. I feel like Triple H was more of a heel than Vince. I like when Vince when Vince entered the ring. I knew he was going to lose, or he was going to win by interference. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, Triple H. I would definitely say if you want to say like two thousand, like Triple H had like good two to three years where he was like a was definitely the biggest heel um, in the world. But then that 2003 reign of terror where at least everything was all about Triple H, like the show tanked, it became not as interesting because he once he became the focal point then, it was like, okay, it, that, like the, the product drag. So that's what, that's all the only reason why I can't put Triple H in that category. He had I, it for a good while, but. I think Randy Orton might be one of the greatest heels too. Yeah. I, I, I think I he's say, one of the best. I, I would say Orton is probably one of the more Balanced. No, so, Randy. Randy. Now, as a as a face, I, I wouldn't say he's great as a face by any stretch. Randy, but as far like as, cheering, cheering for Randy Orton, I can't take him serious. But be, because Randy Orton as a heel, like being a dick and an asshole, I believe that that's how he actually is in real life. Like I really believe he's like that. I really believe he be wanting to punt niggas' face. <laughs> like I really believe that. Like Randy Orton makes that makes being a heel so believable. You know what? I I'll give you I give you point on that. Um, he does make it believable. Now, if we take Mr. McMahon out, and you needed a heel to get you through a two year stint, are you taking Edge, or are you taking Orton? Edge. Or Edge, Edge to me has more range. Edge, I think Edge plays off of baby faces. He he can play off of a hero, in my opinion, better than Randy Orton. Well, I think Edge has more longevity, has more his character has more life to me as a heel than Randy Orton does. Even though I think Randy Orton, Randy Orton's a great heel, but I think Edge can actually bring something out of the baby face that Orton can. So that's why I would say Edge. I mean, shoot, look at Cena. You could argue Cena's best rival was Edge. Batista had a great rival with Edge. Undertaker had a great rival with Edge. Rey Mysterio had a great rival with Edge. Like, Edge. Orton had a great rivalry with Edge. He did. Like, Edge had, Shawn Michaels had a great rivalry with Edge. Like, 
Edge was like a lot. That that rated R. Matt Hardy. Who cared about Matt Hardy to the whole uh, Edge? I mean, I mean, I mean no, nobody, nobody cared. Girl, nobody man. cared about Matt Hardy before or after Edge. <laughs> right, <laughs> even right now, ain't Matt Hardy in like AEW? Yes, he's in AEW. Yes. Do people pay attention to him in AEW? I mean, they like him. You know, they, he's not he's not doing much right now since his brother's uh getting treatment or whatnot. So he's kind of been laying low. But uh, Matt Hardy didn't. I think he ended like his WWE stint on like as like this crazy futuristic kind of dude. Oh, he was uh, uh broken Matt Hardy. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. That. that, that yeah. Now, he still has probably to me the best promo of all time. <laughs> like that's probably the best promo of all time. Which one? Matt Hardy's promo, the broken one. Oh, oh, that's a oh yeah. A lot of people like. It. What? What's Corey? What's the purpose of a guy like Matt Hardy? What like what is what does he serve? I, I feel like Matt Hardy only. I feel like Matt, Matt Hardy was like the. Uh, like Jeff Hardy is the superstar. Matt Hardy is like his uh his assistant. Like Matt he, has the, a, he's more of a wrestling mind than his brother. Like of the two, like like if you needed like like if you were wrestling now and like you needed like some advice or some wisdom on how to do something where you're trying to or you're trying to put a match together, you would go to Matt before you would go to Jeff. Because I think Matt is a better, he would be a like better manager. Teacher. Yeah, like like teacher, like teacher, advisor, mentor. Like because like he has a great brain, he has a great knowledge. So like he's he's he just that lacks guy. talent. I mean, he has talent. I mean, shoot, you don't become successful. Well, like, yeah, that's 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 a bad way to say it. He just he's just not. Uh, he doesn't have talent that you're going. He doesn't have like um, world like, champion. You know. Like he's not going to be that guy that you would put as like the face of your company or one of the faces of your company, like your world champion. Like he's not that guy. But I mean, but see, he's... but see, Jeff Hardy wasn't. Well, to me, he's not. He he. It, Jeff Hardy does have a world championship reign on his resume, but he isn't like a world champion to me. Jeff Hardy was just so electric, like like with his with he was so he was a daredevil. Like like, there's never been a greater daredevil than. Jeff Hardy, in my opinion. Um, Matt Hardy is Christian. Yes, Matt Hardy is Christian. Matt Hardy is Christian. Matt Hardy is Christian. And I don't understand why people enjoy Christian. <laughs> Christian is one of those guys that the like the, the, the wrestlers know how good he is and they respect him, but I, I don't think there's a I think there's a disconnect with a lot of fans. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that doesn't translate on screen in front of people but like like the guy like his his peers respect him is things that sort of thing his peeps yes yeah his peeps <laughs> oh my God, that yeah terrible. um no so what i what i was gonna ask is uh like i like as a as a person who has watched wrestling for years the one thing i can't remember is how these WWE superstars are getting rebranded. Like, I remember Rocky Maivia, and I remember, and I obviously remember The Rock, 
I don't remember how The Rock transitioned from Rocky Maivia. So like, how are these like like John Cena at one point was not the hip hop dude. Like he wore like tights rather than like shorts. You know what I mean? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember like how these people rebranded themselves and nobody noticed. Because uh, now, because now when I feel, I feel like I feel like wrestlers now when they rebrand themselves, like it's you know everybody knows who they formerly were. Jonathan Moxley is a perfect example. Everybody knows he was old boy from uh from the Shield. Like that's not a secret. Like everybody everybody know that. But I feel like the older wrestlers, like when they rebranded, you forgot who the fuck they was before. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, out of everyone who's been rebranding, I think the only one whose rebrand worked for them almost every single time they had to do it or they did it was Bray Wyatt. His is the only one that I can say it works. Even, yes, so, much but- they, even so much they gave him his own quirky match type, the, uh, the fun house or playhouse, whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know. But um yeah no that was my my question that my question to Corey like yo how how do you like how how are the how do superstars now have effective rebranding I guess attempts or whatever well the biggest difference is now they do like video packages and like hype they'll do like vignettes of hype and then they'll do it like weeks or even months leading up to like a rebranding so like Killer was talking about Bray Wyatt, like Bray Wyatt, they did weeks and weeks of like different videos and vignettes to introduce this new, this new character. Whereas like Rocky Maivia, he just like he when he joined the nation, he the, the, the nation of domination, he was Rocky Maivia, but then he would just always refer to himself in the third person as the Rock, and he said, "Call me the Rock," and then it just just seamlessly like just like it. Well, I wouldn't say it, it didn't start. Um, like boom, right from the start, I was like, just call me the Rock. It was just like the Rock, Rocky Maivia, and then they just shortened it to the Rock. And like Triple H, though he was Hunter Hearst Helmsley for the longest, but on TV, and it started with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels just casually dropped the name Triple H, and then that just sort of, he just sort of became that be, sort of became his nickname, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and then they eventually just dropped Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And he was Triple H. So it was like a gradual thing um right it was now, something that was like seamless like like it was it was integrated it was integrated and it kind of just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger without right. you yeah. noticing yeah it just yeah it became a part of who it became a part of their character to where when they just just became that 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 person that name it was like yeah okay like you, you didn't like you say you say you didn't even notice now so is it is it is it impossible for somebody to do that now it's not impossible um because, I mean, there's social media out there, so, like, the social media names would change and shit. You know what I mean? Like, it'd just be a little different. Yeah, it's it's not... I, I think, overall, it's not as gradual now. It's it's more of, a, like, a hard and fast type of boom type of thing now. So it's like, oh, oh, okay. So it's like, it doesn't just seamlessly transition. It's just like, this is who I was, this is who I am now, and then boom. So that's how most of stuff but like john like john moxley he was john moxley before he came before he became dean ambrose before he went to wwe that's who he was on the on the independent scene and then when he left wwe he just went back to john moxley because a lot of people 
knew him as John Moxley before Dean Ambrose, so he just kept that going. And so, you know, it's just different. It's different. It's different for people. Now, some people need a transition, like Bray Wyatt. Like you can't just be Bray Wyatt, then all of a sudden you're the fiend. Like that's a that's a very different contrast. Like so, like that takes weeks and weeks of vignettes and videos of introducing this alter ego or whatever. So it's just different. It's just it's a lot. A lot. Everything is different now. But yeah, that's how they used to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I, I like when I when I think about it, I'm trying to remember like. I don't ever remember there being a time where it's like, like you said, Triple H, for example. I don't ever remember a time where, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley became Triple H. I just, like, I just know him as Triple H, and I know that his name is Triple H because his wrestling name got three H's. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, I, it, but whereas now it's like, oh, Dean Ambrose. Oh, that's John Moxley. It's like it, it's like I can't me. I, I I I don't understand how they have these successful rebranded strategies where because if I if I'm watching something, I'm like, oh, that, ain't that the same dude that used to be called whatever? Like, I, it's easy for me to remember it. You know what I mean? And plus, like because they they leave the company, then they can't they can't use their old name because the company owes owns that name. So like Dean Ambrose can't be Dean Ambrose, you know what I mean? So right, 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 right. So that that's that's also a part of it too. So gotcha. Oh, yeah. So like like um, I think WWE owns The Rock. I think I like, uh, I no, they they did, but Vince... okay, they did. Yeah, okay, they because any I remember in The Rock's early movies, anytime they would even anytime it would say Dwayne The Rock Johnson, WWE would get paid. They would be like. They would, they would get like a, a check for that. Yeah, I don't know why Vince did it, but like after a while, like Vince let let him have the name The Rock. So like that's why he can go on Twitter and all, in his movies he can be known as The Rock. Like he owns that now. So I mean, it's to a point now where and this is gonna sound kind of crazy, but people now know him more as Dwayne Johnson than they do The Rock. At this point, where we are now, well, well, The Rock has had a longer acting career already than he's had a wrestling career already without a doubt the mummy returns came out in what 2003 i, I believe mm-hmm. 2001 I, 2000 the mummy returns yeah 2001 and the scorpion the, king the scorpion king okay scorpion king that was the first so movie cool. that was the first movie that the rock starred in he was a star right scorpion king right yeah yeah okay so Scorpion King came out in 2002. So from 2002, that's 20, that's a 20 year acting career. Whereas The Rock, prime, prime wrestling The Rock was seven, eight years tops. And yep. to this day, I still don't understand why The Rock is not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, he's, he'll, I mean, uh, I, I think that's, that's a, because he still has the ability to be an active superstar. But once I believe he's he retired, he's movie, officially retired. Officially, officially, or yeah, or or is he retiring like Ric Flair? Like we really need to know. Well, I think I think he's officially retired. Okay, well if that if that's the case, then yeah, need to go ahead and retire that man's. Um, I'm gonna say retire that man's number, but officially, <laughs> yeah, just um, just just kind of just let him go off into the sunset, put him in the hall. But honestly, I think the only reason they're holding it is because. 
I believe there's still some characters they got that they can put in the hall that can carry a class. But once you put the rock in, who's left? Well, well, you got Triple H as a solo. Well, there's a lot. That's another. That's another interesting thing. I wonder if how if they're going to change the Hall of Fame now that Vince is gone. I wonder if they if it's going to be harder, be harder rebranded. Like I, I, I didn't think, but that's another thing. Like this is not going to be Vince's show anymore. Like I'm curious to see what Triple H and them do with the Hall of Fame. And also, like, with The Rock. Like, The Rock The Rock is one of those dudes. He can call his own shot. He say, hey, look, y'all, I'm free. I'm ready to go in the Hall of Fame. Well, they, they ain't going to sell him no. Like, they're going to be like, okay. So I, I just think it's all up to The Rock's schedule and whatnot. I think that's I think that's the main thing. Like, The Rock would have been in the Hall. It was, it was easy, no doubt, no brand of Hall of Fame. I think they're just waiting on him to make the call, honestly. All right. All right. Question. And I know the show got to end pretty soon, but question, Corey. Triple H is currently the executive vice president for talent relations, and he's the head um, of creative. He's the he's the head of creative and chief content officer for the WWE. Right, that's his title. Those are two mm-hmm. titles. Mm-hmm. Why is everybody saying this is Triple H's show? Vince, Vince. It was the, he ran everything. Triple H is only the vice president of talent relations. Like, like I don't even know what that means. I honestly don't know what that means. Um, but like, I would be like, it wouldn't the next person in line to like, it really run the show. Wouldn't that be his wife? Okay. So when they say Triple H is running the show, what they're talking about is Triple H is running everything that you see on television. That's Triple H. So how so? so how is like, that? How is that talent relations? That's not that part is not talent related. I need to. They they recently updated his official. I need to see what it is. But so, he, you so see, are you are you saying that he's the like he he comes up with the content like the storylines? Yeah. So like like he doesn't come up with them, but like he sits at the head of the table and he has. People say, okay, or or he might say, okay, guys, this is the direction I want to go in. Like, okay, like Roman Reigns. Okay, Roman Reigns. What do we got for Roman Reigns this week? Okay, this is this is the direction I want us to go in. I want us to build Roman versus Seth Rollins. All right, this is the story I want us to tell, or or, or this is where I want them to meet. How are we going to get there? And then they have people like Pitch, and then he has, he will have final say over what gets approved and what doesn't. So he has the authority to nix or approve any creative idea that comes to him. So like so like when they so how Raw, SmackDown, NXT, how that is presented and like 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 the the matches every, everything that you see like that's all ran through by Triple H now. Now the president of WWE who is Nick Khan he runs like the business aspect. So like the outside the ring stuff, the advertisements, the shareholders and the stock and like the the overall business aspect of WWE. But Triple H is the head of all of the in-ring and what you see on television. Like storylines, where the matches are going, how the shows are formatted, like that's that's all Triple H's say so. I'm not saying he does it all. Like he has a team, but he has final say, and he can improve or nix whatever whatever comes across him. 
so this Nick Khan dude, he he got like like you say he you say he runs the business of WWE. Yeah, basically everything outside of the in ring, outside of the television presentation, like he he he's the head of all of that. So like the business aspect. But Stephanie McMahon is the co CEO. She's she currently is. she's currently the co CEO. Right. So I'm but, like I'm like, what the fuck does she do? I honestly do not know. <laughs> I, I mean, like I know, like don't get me wrong, I know she does something. So Stephanie, she she used to be ahead of the creative. So like she used to be ahead of like so like the storylines, like like the ruthless aggression era, like a lot of those storylines. Stephanie was like the head of that department. Now so she had she had Triple H's old job. Oh, Triple H. She had Triple H's current job. Yeah, kind of, sort of, okay. in a way. But uh, but still, Vince had final say so. Whereas like Stephanie never had final say so. Mm-hmm. She would just lead all that stuff. But. I know she did a lot of like the she was like the the oh I remember she was the chief branding officer so like she was sort of be, they wanted her to be like the the public face of the company to like to advertisers and people like this is WWE we do this for charity and blah 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 now I'm not entirely sure what she does I guess she and Nick Khan work together but I'm not I'm not sure of what her duties are I I really don't know that's a good question I really don't know I don't know what her duties are. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she just, maybe she just chilling while Triple H run all the stuff or whatever. Or maybe you know, maybe she got ideas at, at the house and Triple H is you know helping her ideas, you know, at like in the meetings or something like that. I, I don't know because you know they say you know they say women run everything, so you know. Um, and apparently, I, I just googled her. Apparently, her Triple H and Nick Khan got new salaries, which oh, they yeah. salary is probably fucking ridiculous. But um, but yeah. All right, I think I think Killer is out of commission. So yeah, I'm still here right now. Oh, you still here? Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm, still, right, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. I know okay, I have some, some weird yeah. issues right now. Like my son is currently trying to get inside of the room that I am recording in, so that's perfect. <laughs> well, we we good, man. We can we can go ahead in the show, bro. It's all it's all good. All right, well, like we said before, man, if y'all been rocking with us this long, we thank y'all for listening in. This right here was the sports edition of Off the Sticks. But i also like to um, tell y'all to definitely follow us on the social media tip as well. Um, we should be looking out for that, y'all. Any last words? Um, no, no last words. Uh, look for episode on Friday. I think, I think, I think we'll I'll, we'll probably start doing episodes Fridays because Thursdays is football. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think we'll probably start doing episodes Fridays. All right, true that, yep. that can work out. Well, y'all, like we always say, well, at least like I, like I always say, just remember, if Draymond Green is a Hall of Famer, then so are you. <laughs> Y'all take it easy. We out of here. Remember Peace. Flex Kavana. <laughs> Flex Kavana. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we out. We out. <laughs>